Good evening, it's 8 o'clock in Yerushalayim. This is uh, Rabbi Bravender. We're going to learn a little bit about the parasha of Yitro, more specifically about Yitro himself. Before we start, I want to thank Gail and David Ehrlich for dedicating this year. Haven't seen you in a long time, Gail and David. Probably my fault. In any event, thanks again. Yitro. Who was he? Who was he? And and if I asked the question in a kind of Hasidic manner, I would say, how come the parsha is named Yitro? I mean, Yitro just joined up. He didn't go through Yitzhi at Mitzrayim. He didn't suffer the anguish that the members of, of the, the Jewish people suffered. He wasn't enslaved. He wasn't frightened by the Egyptians who chased after the people in uh, in uh, uh, Yamsuf in the when the sea was split. He wasn't part of the war against Amalek. None of those things. Yitro, I mean, he just showed up. Okay, he was Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law, and that might be an indicator. It might be. But we don't know for sure who he was. And yet, and yet the parasha of Matan Torah, arguably the most important, difficult, particular parasha in the Torah is named after him and not after Moshe Rabbeinu, who certainly deserved it. And even if you say, even if you say, as we've said in the past, that the name of the parasha is not necessarily of great significance. But do you name the parasha after the first important word in the first pasuk? Right, so the first parasha in the Torah is called Breshit, Breshit Maramukin, Eta Shamay Veta Aretz. First important word, Breshit. The second parasha in the Torah is called Noah, Ele Toldot Noah considered the third uh, but most important pasuk. It's the pasuk about Noah, the, the parasha about Noah. But the parasha of Yitro is not about Yitro, it's about Moshe Rabbeinu. And the first pasuk in the Yitro says, Yitro Moshe, Moshe. Now, if you juggle the words around a little, you could put the word Moshe in a more obvious place and you could say you could say Chotein Moshe Yitro Shama right you could say something like that then Moshe the word Moshe would be first and then the word Moshe would be the one that becomes the name but okay I could see you a little skeptical of this analysis so uh, fine I, I won't I won't push it what does the first pasuk say? It says, Vayishma Yitro Kohen Midyan Choten Moshe Et Kol Asher Asalokim LeMoshe Uli Yisrael Vayishma Yitro Rashi says, Mashmuah Shema Uba Let me get, uh, since um, I have it, why not get it? Good, Vayishma Yitro, you see it? The, the Rashi, the Rashi, 
What did he, what was it that he heard? According to Rashi, Rashi takes this from the Midrash. And of course, these things happen after the 10 tribes, after the 10 tribes in the, after the, after those, after those 10 tribes. Sorry, after the ten plagues in Mitzrayim, he didn't hear about the ten plagues in Mitzrayim. I mean, what does that mean? Anything? I mean, we thought in the previous weeks we said, what is it that gave Pharaoh the strength to refuse to let the people go when the makot were raining down on his head one after the other? And we came to the conclusion. We came to the conclusion that Paro looked upon all of those makot as the act of magicians. And he had magicians as well. And even if his magicians were not able to, uh, to duplicate Moshe's miracles, he was able in his head to think, okay, they can't do it, but they are someplace, they are someplace else. There are these these uh, uh, there are magicians in the world who can imitate Moshe Rabbeinu. So we say by Yishma Yitro, Kohen What about Yitziat Mitzrayim? What about the story of the miracle? He didn't hear about that, but it may be that Yitro was not far off from Paro in that regard. Not far off from Paro, but we have to think about it. Rashi leaves us with an open question. Then Rashi comes to explain Yitro. Like, what's the name Yitro? And he says, Sheva Shemot. Sheva Shemot Nikru'ulo. And here they are. Re'u'el and Yeter and Yitro and Chobo Vechavavakeni and Putiel. Yeter. And then he goes to explain. Why is he called Yeter? Al Shev Sheiter Parashah Chat Torah. Right? There's, there's some additional Torah material that comes because of him, because of the appointing of Dayanim, etc. We have to go into that. And and then Yitro, Lekshed Kayer, when he became a Jew, he went through a process of conversion, he agreed to, and he agreed to do the mitzvot, of course, he became Yitro instead of Yeter, right, that Vav, they added above, etc. And then, so, so why does Rashi tell you this? I mean, like, why do I have to know that Yitro had seven names at this point in history? So Rashi is warning us, be sure, Yitro is a very complex character, very complex, because people get names either when they are born or when something important happens in their lives, or when they do something of great importance. So Rashi, Rashi explains two names. Let's say, just take the first two explanations. Yitro, you see Yitro? Rashi says, Shedit gayer v'kiyem ha-mitzvot otachat When he converted, he gets the extra letter that vav, that vav yet so so immediately we say oh yitro, he didn't just by yishma, he he also came 
Mashmu'a Rashi. See the Rashi at the beginning? Mashmu'a Shema'uba. What was it that he heard and what was it that got him to come? Come. What is come? We know he's there. He came to see his to his son-in-law, Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, no. He came to Am Yisrael. He heard something. Shama Uba. The word Ba in this case means understand. He understood something. He knew that he was witnessing a grand event, a grand event, okay? And then so Rashi goes through the various rationale for the different names of Yitro. And then the Apostle goes on and says, Vaishma Yitro, Vaishma Priyat Yamsuf and Muhammad Avalek, et kol asher salokilu Moshe Yisrael amo, what's the call? Ki hotzi ashevet Yisrael v'mitzrayim. In other words, the Pasuk says that at first you would think that he was like Paro. He understood, as Paro understood, that the miracles in Mitzrayim were just magic. But we see, no, Yitro really understood. He was different. He understood that the Yitzhiah of Mitzvah, telling Paro didn't understand. Because if Paro would have understood that Yitzhiah Mitzrayim was the divine act, it was God's position, then he wouldn't have chased after the Jews. He wouldn't have chased them to his own death and destruction of his army. He would not have done that. He only did that because he believed in himself. He believed that that it was magic and it could be, it would have a, a, a limit, which is the nature of magic. It has a limit. But Yitro, look what the Pasuk says. The Pasuk says, by Yitro Rashi says A and B. But the Pasuk says, at Kol Asher Yisrael what's Kol Asher What's all that they did? So even though, I mean, he knew that God was watching over them, Kriyat Yamsuf and Milchemet Amalek, but he also understood, he also understood that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took them out of Mitzrayim, which was the greater understanding the understanding that Para was unable to achieve neither in himself nor with his with his people. Pasuk Bet says, Okay, he brought, I mean, he didn't just come by himself, right? Didn't just come by himself. Uh, he brought the family. He brought the family. Pasuk Dalek, Pasuk Dalek. 
In other words, you have you have a situation where Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was bilingual. He grew up in a Egyptian palace, but he also had a strong relationship with his sister and his mother. At that time, they spoke in Ivrit, I imagine. And here, the Torah adds as a, in order for us to understand what. Yitro's first contribution was that he brought the children with him. And who are these children? First, there's Eliezer. There's some kind of an etymology where Eliezer could connect it to Azor to help. God help me and save me. Right. The first, the oldest son, his name was Gershom. We don't know exactly who said that. I guess Moshe Rabbeinu. Let's say Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Torah tells us, the Torah tells us that even though Moshe Rabbeinu married a woman, from Midian, and even though the children born in Midian and the, that the, that the father-in-law was Yitro, who was certainly not part of Am Yisrael, nevertheless the children were given Jewish names, given Jewish names, and those Jewish and the, and the, the Jewishness in the names is represented. The Jewish of the names is represented by the fact that they have etymologies. And so Moshe Rabbeinu received a Jewish name. It's true. It's true that we have the certain, how did, how did Bat Paro know Hebrew? How could she give it? But the Torah says that the name Moshe is connected to Kibi Abayim who I pulled him out of the water. And since his name had a Jewish etymology, that meant that he was an, uh, that he was Jewish. And this is the emphasis that Yitro, Yitro says, even though I am Yitro, my grandchildren, my grandchildren are part of Am Yisrael, and therefore I have to bring them. And that's implied in this pasuk, in the pasuk that tells me the names and the etymology of the names, right? I'm sorry. Rashi says they came to he came to the desert. We know that. 
Ella Bishukoshal Yitrodi Berakatuv. Here's a Pasuk which is talking about talking in praise of Yitro. Shahaya Yoshev Bichodoshalam. He was in Midyan, very highly regarded, a high uh, high level professor of comparative religion. He was sitting there the, on the high seat, the honored seat of Olam. He was willing to find the truth, even to go to the desert, a place that doesn't have any order to it. So you see that Rashi, Rashi certainly thinks very highly of of uh, of Yitro, but he was willing to come to hear the words of Torah. But who was going to say the words of Torah? That was Moshe Rabbeinu. I mean, it all came from Moshe Rabbeinu. Pasuk Vav, Pasuk Vav. Vayomel Moshe nichotencha Yitro ba'elecha bishtechas deiba nehaimes. So he starts. He starts his little prepared speech. He says, I am your father-in-law, and here is your wife, and here are your children. Here are your children. So Rashi, Rashi points out. Rashi says, Now, he wasn't standing with him, but he sent a message. You'd say begini, say begini If you don't want to honor me, Yitro said, then come because your wife is here. We may not tell you say begini shtechav. You don't want to honor your wife. Say begin shnei baneha. Okay, this is a little bit of a difficult uh, Rashi. It tries to explain why Yitro, why Yitro did it, why he said. Why he said what he said? Pasuk vav, Yomel Moshe Nichotencha Yitro Baylecha. Great. Then Vishtecha, Ushnei Baneaima. He said something here. There's something here in the Rashi. There's something here in the Rashi which is not perfectly clear. Pasuk Zayin, Vayitzei Moshe Lekrat Chotno, Vayishtachu, Vayishaklo, Vayishalu Ishtari El Shalom. So you have all these pieces. Moshe Rabbeinu came to greet him. Greet him, though, was even though Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was the king of the moment, he went out to greet Koto. So the Torah doesn't make clear who was the Bauer and who kicked who? Who kissed whom? By Yishalu, Shalom, and they all asked each other Shalom. They blessed each other. So Rashi Rashi says, "Vayit say Moshe, Vayit say Moshe." Second, Vayit say Moshe, Kavod Gadol Nit Kabed Yitro. There was a, uh, Yitro received tremendous honor. Since Moshe Rabbeinu went out to walk into the into the open field to greet somebody who was coming, so 
the others who came in, the elders, he went with him. And obviously everybody came. Everybody saw Moshe Rabbeinu going out into the desert to greet somebody. So they wanted to know who that was. That's what Rashi Rashi says. It must have been that way. Is it possible that the people were standing around, they saw Moshe Rabbeinu going to meet somebody and they didn't go with him? They didn't go out to see who that was? The Pesach says he bowed, bowed down and he kissed him. I don't know who bowed down to whom. But it says in the Pasuk, Ish, an Ish bowed down to his fellow. You see an inkling as from Rashi. Who was Yitro? Who was Yitro? Okay, he was father-in-law. He has certain obligations to give him kavod. I mean, it's not halachic. You don't have to give kavod to the father of your wife. But you should. It's a nice thing to do. Moshe Rabbeinu ran to give kavod to his father-in-law. So we can explain that in one of two ways. According to Rashi, he proves it. Moshe Rabbeinu bowed down to Yitro. Moshe Rabbeinu bowed down to Yitro. It could be that he was a nice fellow. Moshe Rabbeinu had midot tovot. You know, he was nice, nice person. Or Moshe Rabbeinu knew something about the singular importance of Yitro in some ultimate sense. Some ultimate sense we see that if you just take those Rashis that develop the personality of Yitro, we get a kind of, we start to get a picture. Yitro knew what Paro didn't know. Yitro was given special honor by Moshe Rabbeinu. All of that, all of that is something that we, that we, uh, we learn. Right? By Safer Moshe Lechotno. And Moshe Rabbeinu told him in Kolach Rasashel the Parola Mitzrayim, Alodot Yisrael, Kolach Laashel Mitzatam Baderek Watzilei Mashem. So, what did Moshe Rabbeinu tell, tell uh, Yitro again? What did he tell him? He said, Look, it's true that it could be misinterpreted, but I want you to understand that it was definitely God that took us out of Mitzrayim. Right? And that all the difficulty that we had getting to the place that we are at today, all of that was alleviated for us by God. Hashem helped us. I mean, that's the lesson. That's the lesson. In other words, Yitro was the first person that we know of who learned about the religious implications, the theological implications of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And that implication is that only God could have done it. Only God could determine history in that way. And then there's one more pasuk by Echad Yitro. It tells us something about Yitro, by Echad Yitro. His reaction. That's by Echad. What is by Echad? So Rashi says, Rashi says, uh, 
So the word Vayichad is like a, 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 a kind of a, a strange word, not a word that we know so well. Vayichad, Rashi says it like Hedva, nice, good, like happy, happy word. Vayismach Yidro. Vayismach Yidro. What do you mean Vayismach Yidro? What is he happy about? I mean, he could be thankful, he could give praise to God, he could sing the song of, of a praise, he could say till him. I mean, what, what is Vayismach Yidro? Like like you're just happy you get a good deal, That's what the simple meaning is, Right? There's a secondary meaning, a meaning, a, a layered meaning, right? He became like prickly, right? At the same time, he was. Uh, sad because the Egyptians had all been killed. I knew the Amri Inche, Giora. This is what the people say. There's a Giora, a Ger, Adas Radare for ten generations. Don't even insult a uh, a non-Jew before him. Okay. So again, the Apostle says, Vayichad Yitro, and Rashi leaves us with this mystery. How could you at the same time be happy and unhappy? How could that word, it was according to Rashi, if he was happy, if that's what the, the Apostle meant, the Apostle would have said, Vayismach Yitro, would have used the word that cannot be misunderstood. But since it used the word that can be misunderstood, and that word is Vayichad, I don't know what it is, so Rashi says, That's when you look at the you look it up in the dictionary, you'll see it means Vayismach. But Rashi says, I want to remind you that there's a Medrash, there's a Medrashic interpretation. He became kind of all unhappy. He was he was suffering. He was he was because he would because the Egyptians were were destroyed. And that's what people say. You shouldn't uh, mention things like that to people, to those kind of people. So if you look again at the Pasuk for a minute, where the Pasuk, is there a difference between Tova and Kol HaTova? He was happy, unhappy on all the Tova. Of course he was he was happy, happy with Tova. And what's Kola Tova? What is Kola Tova? Asher Asa Hashem Yisrael, Asher Yitzilo B'yad Mitzrayim. Rashi says, I'll call HaTova. Kola Tova. Rashi says, Tova Taman, Vabe'er, Vahatora. So according to Rashi, According to Rashi, Yitro was not just a person who was happy with what Moshe Rabbeinu told him, what he had learned about Yitziat Mitzrayim, what he learned about the salvation from heaven, what he had learned about the support God had given them in the desert. He wasn't only happy about that. He was happy about everything. He was happy about everything. And how can you support such an idea, happy about everything? 
who's happy about everything. These things hadn't even happened yet. Okay, the man happened. But the Torah certainly didn't happen. Malkulan, beyond all the things, all those things we're happy about, Rashi says, We got them out of Mitzrayim. I got them out of Mitzrayim. Asher Yitzilov Yad Mitzrayim. He saved them. Adachshav lo haya eved yecholiv roach b'Mitzrayim. Until until this time, no slave had ever run away run away from Mitzrayim. Shaita aritz misugeret. Somehow the the country Mitzrayim was closed up. We couldn't get in and out. It was like having COVID. Ve'eli yatsu. Shishim reborn. These guys, six hundred thousand of them, left Mitzrayim at the same, all at the same time. So we learn these psukim, and we have a certain kind of uh, understanding. Now I'd like to add, I'd like to add two things. Two things. One is about those words alkol hatova, alkol hatova. Right? Remember. Vayichad Yitro, al kol hatova. Rashi says, "Tovat haman vabeher vatorah." That's al kol al kol hatova. The question, of course, is why? Why didn't the pasuk say al hatova? What's kol hatova? So, so there's a comment that's made by Rav Nachman of Raslu, which I would like to. Uh, Mentioned. Amazing. How did he know that? He says, you're thinking about people. Think about people, not about Yitro. What about people, regular people? No one is happy about all the things that he could be happy about at the same time. Key. There are people who kind of distinguish different things to be happy about. One thing they're happy about, so there's that not happy about. The Mashal, he says. You come to a wedding. You know, wish you all to go to happy weddings. One person is happy because he likes the food. He's eating fish, he's eating meat, etc. Not sure what etc. is. Herring. Somebody else, a different person, who likes the music. He says there are other people who are happy about other things that happen at the wedding. You know, it could be a comedian, a singer, a, a, a band. There are some people, some of the people there are happy because there's a, there's a wedding going on. Like, uh, 
mechutanim, the people whose children are getting married. They don't think too much about eating and drinking. They might not even eat or drink at all at their own wedding, at the wedding of their children. They're just happy that they're getting married. It's like a weight off of their hearts. Etc. Etc. Generally speaking, no one, no person, we call us Machot Biyachat. Bafilu Misha Samech, we call us Dvarim Apapikein. Eina Simcha, we call us Dvarim Biyachat. Even if a person is usually, he likes the food and he likes the music and he likes the people and he likes the dancing and the singing and etc. He says, Apapikein, Eina Simcha, we call us Dvarim Biyachat. It's not true, not true, that the simcha is universal at, 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 at one time, at one moment. But, you know, he comes and he says, oh, the food is great. When he finishes the food, he says, oh, the music is good. Like he doesn't have the way of combining the different kinds of simcha that he might have. There's still somebody who doesn't have any kind of joy at all. The opposite. He's like, finds it hateful that they're having a simcha. I'm not having a simcha, you know, you know, this kind of feeling. He's jealous about the shidduch, the, the boy and the the young man and the woman who are getting married, just not happy about the whole thing. So this is something that we understand. I think, I think you know, everybody's had this kind of experience. Two people are sitting at the table together once in a while, it's a great wedding, and the other person says, oh, I can't wait to go home. This is always the, the situation. But Rav Nachman looked at it in a special way. And that's that the words in the in the next paragraph, which we should look at. To have joy, complete joy, that everything should make you happy. When he looks up and he sees all the goodness, and he sees he's all he's able to look the Hainu Ala Shorish, he's able to look at the root of things. Not Shabishamdim Shachim Kolatovot. Vishamba Shorish Akolechad. Everything comes together. Everything is rooted someplace. The the fact that we live in a world of of disparate kind of events. Well, that's not really what the world is. That's not the way creation made the world originally. But in fact, in fact, that's the only way we can see it because we lack, we lack the ability to see what is really real about, about things, according to Rav Nachman. Because we know that all of these simchot, right, the, the, the food and the music and the drinks Etc. All of those things that we might be sameach about, all those things, if we could get to the root of it, we could find the where it originates, it would all be one. It would be easy. 
It would be easy to be sameach about everything. You only have to do is grab onto the root of things. Then he could be called the the biyachad kind of sameach. He's happy because all of those things make him happy simultaneously. lights everything up. That if if the simcha uh, becomes like goes in the direction of becoming one, everything is merging into everything. Every kind of simcha is merging into every other kind of simcha. The light that comes from the simcha gets greater and greater. As this happens, this great thing happens. The light from Simcha becomes greater and greater. The light gets to be bigger and bigger. The sparkling. The, the, all the simachot are sparkling at each other. Whoever is able to unify all of these simachot together, the sparkle gets greater and the light becomes greater and greater. When the light of the simcha, of the joy, of all these great things come together, then or has simcha gadol ma'od. Al yidei ribu yitot tzutzut mizelaze, umizelaze kanau dezeu. Vayichad yitro al kol hatova, and that's what we meant. But we sent sheyasrameh v'kol hatovot v'yachad. He became happy. I'll call our tovot. In other words, he wasn't just listing the tovot and saying, oh, this is good and that's good. But listening to Moshe Rabbeinu gave him a certain kind of understanding of a general understanding of goodness. And his simcha was overwhelming. The roots of things. So that everything is like one. So you know that Paro didn't understand that there's one God, one power and one ability, and one result. He couldn't get it. He just couldn't get it. His mind was unable to grab onto it. But you see that Moshe Rabbeinu told Yitro the story. He told him what had happened in the Moshe Rabbeinu way of telling the story in which God was the primary actor and mover of things. And so Yitro said, Vayichad Yitro, he was happy. He was happy about what Moshe Rabbeinu had told him, but Al-Kola Tova, he wasn't happy 
because something good had happened. He was happy because he saw the root of happiness and joy. The root of happiness and joy. But that kind of leaves us, leaves us with one, one thing, and that is that uh, the drash on Vayichad Yitro. Why is it that the drash is that Yitro was unhappy that all those Egyptians were killed? How does that fit into the Yitro story that we've developed in these first 10 psukim in the parasha? Well, well, I'll tell you, you know, Torah goes through a variety of changes over the years. Over the years, from the beginning of time, there was a time when you could only learn Torah Baal-Peh, by heart. There were no written books of the Torah. And in fact, it was forbidden to write the Torah Baal-Peh, but this prohibition had to end because people were unable to live up to it. They weren't able to learn Torah, to know the Torah, to live with the Torah, and not get uh, the aid of, of a book. The second revolution in learning, and the way we learn Torah had to do with paying for teaching Torah. Paying for teaching Torah at the beginning, Nobody could pay for it because you were doing a mitzvah. The person teaching the Torah was was also doing a mitzvah, but it turned out that if we didn't pay, then the people who might teach Torah would have to do something else in order to earn their way. And so that no wouldn't be anybody around to teach Torah, so we had to we had to change that. The third uh, uh, radical change in Talmud Torah had to do. Uh, with women. It was a time where there were people who thought that women would not be capable of learning Torah for some reason. But that was jettisoned in in modern times, very much modern times, the 19th century, the 20th century. Uh, whereas today it's a kind of... Um, Perfectly reasonable to have uh, to see women teaching Torah, learning Torah. So that the, the revolution has has definitely happened. It may be that there are fine tuning that is going to be done in the future on the revolution, but the revolution taking place, no one is going to go back. So that leaves, at least according to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, according to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, he leaves the, the last. The revolution in Talmud Torah, which is the Talmud Torah for non-Jews. So we all know that the seven mitzvot for seven mitzvot that women that the non-Jews are also obliged to keep means that the Torah of those mitzvot, the Torah of those mitzvot that they're obliged to keep, I mean, they have to learn. They certainly have to learn. And if you wonder why there is Sheva Mitzvah B'nei, why there would be such a thing. Okay, it might be in order to uh, make the world a, a happier place to be. But it seems to me, it seems to me that uh, 
the idea of Sheva Mitzvah Ben Noach is, is sort of an introduction to the idea of Torah. That means that through the Sheva Mitzvah Ben Noach, the world will be opened up. The world will be opened up to Torah. The, I mean, we've seen it. We see it to a certain extent. To a certain extent with Christianity and uh, Islam. The Rambam says that certain basic ideas, certain basic ideas about Echad, about the unity of God and what unity is, Hashem Echad, made their way into Christianity and, and Islam. So all of that is in preparation for an, a more understanding time, but probably a time in which there will be a lot of non-Jews who will accept the burden of mitzvot, having gotten an introduction to the mitzvot. Sheva mitzvot, and they know introduction to to the Torah. And in such, if that's the case, it may be that uh, the non-Jewish world needed a representative, needed a representative at Matan Torah. And the way the Torah is written, even though I know it's a machlokas in the Gemara, but the way the Torah is written, it would seem that Yitro came to the camp of Israel before Matan Torah. In a manner of saying, I'm Yitro, I represent the rest of the world. Not everybody will accept the Torah, not everybody will accept, but everybody will be obliged to do the seven mitzvot b'nei not the seven commandments that are attributed to the Noach, right? The seventh, I mean, really, he received the seventh. Six were already given to Adam Rishon. And so that Noah exhibiting these kind of special qualities that he had, he was able to understand, he was able to follow through, he was able to do what had to be done, and he was able to come on his own to Har Sinai. So he may be the introduction to the last stage of Talmud Torah, which is the Talmud Torah that the entire world will undertake. And so reasonably, reasonable that the parasha should be called Yitro on the future, whereas the Torah itself is called Torah Moshe, a worthy name, a worthy name for the Torah that was brought down from heaven by Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Be well.